You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Midtown. Welcome to our sermon series, The Holy Spirit, Presence With Us. Join us as we explore the person and work of the Holy Spirit and how His presence in our lives empowers us to live a life of faith and witness. Discover how the Holy Spirit can transform us and guide us into a deeper relationship with Him. Today's scripture reading is John 14, 15 through 26. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and he... I'm sorry, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Peace be with you. What a joy it is to be with you uh, this morning. My name is Jamal. I am uh, one of the pastors here, and we're praying that a word would be spoken or a song song that will enrich your life in Christ Jesus. Today, we're picking up on our series on the Holy Spirit, um, looking at the presence of the, the Spirit. And uh, before we do that, I want to just pause and pray for us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would illuminate the word in our midst so that we would see Jesus. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak for your servants are listening. We thank you for the opportunity to sing songs together. Know that as we sing together, that you are shaping us into the image of your son, edifying us and growing us up into maturity in him. But we also thank you for the opportunity to learn by looking at what the spirit inspired, helping us to discern his will for our lives collectively as a church and individually as well. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. One of the most powerful experiences that I've personally had as a pastor happened in my first year 
at Forest Baptist Church. I was actually an interim pastor at the time, and I was invited into the hospital room of a gentleman named David. I got to know David through our men's ministry, and David was an older gentleman who was slowly uh, slipping away to be with the Lord. The family asked that I would come and sit with him during a gap hour in which no one could be there. And I just sat by his bedside and I got to talk to him. And as I was talking to David, two things stood out. The first thing that stood out is is that even though I came to comfort him, um, he was comforting me. David loved Jesus. And it's as if he was shepherding me as he was going on to be with the Lord. The second thing that really stuck out to me is that for a believer, if the Lord preserves their mind as they are slipping away to be with Jesus, is that they don't talk about frivolous things. (laughs) The words that he could muster up to speak, he didn't talk about sports. We didn't talk about weather. We talked about his life. We talked about love and we talked about Jesus. In fact, David's last words to me before he went to sleep, and he would live for a couple more days. I'll never forget this. And I said this at his his funeral, preached itself. His last words was, Pastor, I'm just ready to see the face of Jesus. I'm just ready to see the face of Jesus. In John chapter 13 through 17, we have what's called the upper room discourse. And this discourse is Jesus talking to his disciples. It's the night that he is going to be betrayed. In fact, as we look at John 14, if you look at the chapters before, Judas Iscariot has already left the upper room to go and to betray Jesus. And now we have a behind-the-scenes look at Jesus' final words to his disciples. And two things should stand out to us. One, even though he's about to die, a horrific death on the cross He is comforting his disciples. His disciples aren't comforting him. He's comforting his disciples. And second, we're going to see that Jesus is not going to waste his words. Everything that Jesus says is going to be very strategic, very poignant, and very powerful. In fact, most of what he's going to talk about is going to be talking about in Trinitarian terms. He's going to even narrow in even more specifically on the Holy Spirit. I would argue that John 14 through 16 is the clearest passage that we have in the Scripture of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, all throughout the Scripture, we get great bits and pieces, but chapters 14 through 16, we have some of the clearest descriptions of the Spirit. And today we're going to look at those, that description of the Spirit. We're going to see His ministry and see how He works, and it's going to be boiled down to really uh, two things. And this is the sentence that we're going to unpack today. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate helper who leads us to truth and who teaches us all things. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit as presented here in John 14 today, that the Holy Spirit is the ultimate helper who leads us to truth. He is the spirit of truth, and he leads us to truth, and he teaches us all things. And so I want you to get this, that Jesus, just before he's going to be taken away, as he is comforting the disciples, the thing that he chooses to focus on is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the ultimate helper. And the reason that this is important to us today is just like the disciples, 
Jesus is about to be taken away. They're going to be sent into a, a few days of worry, of fear, of anxiety. In fact, they're even going to try to manufacture things in their own strength, in their own, according to their own way. They're going to re- retreat in fear, um, hiding, not knowing what the future is, because Jesus was taken from them. And in the same way today, it's important that we understand that Jesus has left us the ultimate helper. And in times of anxiety, which we all face, in times of fear, rather than manufacture things in our own strength, according to our own wisdom, according to our own ways, we must remember that God has given his spirit to us and that his spirit leads us, shepherds us to truth and teaches us how to live and how to love. And some of us this week, we were just captured constantly by anxiety, constantly by fear. And all of us in some ways had moments where instead of trusting in the spirit, instead of trusting in the Lord, we try to manufacture things in our own strength. We put the world on our shoulders. And we begin to talk like, I have to. We begin to do as if our doing is ultimately what pleases God. Some of us, we begin to manipulate by telling white lies or not so white lies in order to find safety. All of us have these schemes by which we default to, that old man to which we go, and underlying all of that is a lie that we are telling ourselves that we're alone. We have to protect ourselves. We have to look out for ourselves. We have to make it happen. And so Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's going to show, no, I am leaving you with the ultimate helper who is going to make his home with you. In John 14, 1 through 6, he's saying, I'm going away to prepare a home for you. And then in this passage, he's going to tell you, I'm actually going to come and make a home in you. So let's look at two things as we walk through this this sentence. The Holy Spirit is our ultimate helper who leads us to truth and who teaches us all things. The first thing that we want to look at is how the Holy Spirit leads us to truth. And then the second thing is how he teaches us all things. But before we get there, let's just talk about the Holy Spirit real quick. Verse 16 says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you. So this is Jesus And we just finished up the book of Hebrews, who is our great high priest, who is our intercessor, saying, yo, I'm about to bounce, JSV version. I'm about to go to heaven. I'm about to be crucified, right? I'm about to defeat death. I'm going to raise from the dead. And while um, I'm in heaven, part of my ministry is going to be to pray to the Father that He will send you, and then look at what He says, another, hmm, that He will give you another counselor. This word another in the Greek means one who is just like He's saying, I'm going to pray that the Father would give you one who is just like me. (laughs) And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not simply a a immovable force. Uh, But the Holy Spirit is a person throughout this passage. If you read it slowly over and over, it says he, he, he. And not only is the Holy Spirit a person, the Holy Spirit is fully God. 
He's the third person in the Trinity. And he says, I'm going to send you God. And essentially, he's going to argue in this passage, and God is going to dwell in you. And what's fascinating about this passage is sometimes he speaks as if it's him himself dwelling in us. And sometimes he speaks as if it's the Father dwelling in us. And what he's showing us is that the Holy Spirit's job is to mediate the presence of the Father and the presence of the Son in our hearts. Jesus says, listen, I'm leaving to go and prepare a home for you, but don't trip. I'm about to make a home in you. I'm going to send my spirit, and he is going to live right dab in the middle of your life. He is going to permeate your being. Fret not. Notice what he says here. You're looking at the text, verse 16. Calls him, some translations here says a, a helper, CSB. Some translation says a, a counselor. Some translation says an advocate. One translation says a, a friend. And when we have a word in our English Bible that is translated that many different ways, what we conclude is, is that there is not an English word that quite encapsulates the idea of what's trying to be communicated. And so the word that we have here and the word that we often see in the New Testament is some form of the word paraclete. Para means to come alongside. It's the same word that we get parables for, to throw alongside, it's to come alongside. Kaleo means to speak. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to come alongside of us and to speak. Some translations use the word advocate because we see that the Holy Spirit is an advocate. It's almost a legal term. He's just like this, this friend who is, who is advocating for us. Some use the word comforter because he speaks to us to comfort us. Some use the word friend because he ministers to us as a, as a friend. But it's such a rich word. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to be your helper, but not just your helper, essentially to be your ultimate helper. And the reason I say that is because, listen, in the natural, if we have an advocate, if we have a counselor, if we have a friend, that's great, but they are not always with us. <laughs> that lawyer, you, you're going to have to call them and hope to get them. That friend, you're going to have to hope that they have time to meet with you. What we see in the text is that the Holy Spirit is always present, is always with us, is always available, is always willing, is always near because He is indwelling us. Amen. And His ministry can be broken down into two ways. One is that he, he speaks. He's the Spirit of truth. Look at the text. It tells us, listen, the Holy Spirit is coming, and He is the Spirit of truth. And this should be comforting to all of us, because everybody in this room, I don't know a lot of things, but I know that everybody in this room is constantly fighting lies. And there's three sources to those lies. The first source of those lies is ourselves. It's our own heart. 1 John chapter 3 talks about how our heart condemns us, but it says, but God is greater than our heart. As human beings on this side of eternity, we will constantly battle scripts in our own minds as a result of living in a fallen world. All of us 
especially even those who are in Christ. We are, we are shaped by our, our past. We are shaped in many ways by our experiences, how we were raised, um, how we've been sinned against, how we've sinned against others. We all have a proclivity towards certain tendencies. And we can construct things in such a, of a way and narratives in our mind to where we are constantly lying to ourselves. And the Holy Spirit's job is to bring truth to ourselves, to remind us that God is greater than our heart. But the second is we are being lied to by Satan. In John chapter 8, Jesus is talking and he says, listen, Satan is the father of lies. He says he's the father of lies. And look, he says his very nature is lying. He says, he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Now, we don't know how the Satan works. It's one Satan, but he has demons and imps. We don't quite know how the spiritual world works with our own minds and, 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 and our own hearts. But Satan is seeking to tell us lies, to destroy us. The third thing and way in which we are prone to, to experience lies is through the world. The world is this system that is void of Christ. It's, it's the, the, the structure, the, the evil present age. And this evil present age is constantly lying to us, telling us what it means to be a person. What does it mean to be significant? What does it mean to be successful? Listen, John writes later on to the church that all that is in the world is the lust of the eye, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. The world is constantly trying to define us and to redefine us according to their standards, working in cooperation with the prince of this age who is Satan. The Holy Spirit's job is he is indwelling us is to speak truth to us, to cut through those lies. Jamal, you fell short. You sinned. You are not your sin. For there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are not worthless. You are not dumb. You are not your, your story. You're not blowing up your life. You are God's beloved. And all of us in times of anxiety, we have a choice. Are we going to believe the lies of Satan or are we going to believe the truth of the Spirit? And Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's saying, listen, I'm about to, I'm about to leave. I'm about to bounce but I'm going to send the ultimate helper who is going to be indwelling you, constantly speaking to you truth. Isn't that a blessing? Yeah. And then when you can't speak, when you don't have the words to formulate, who's going to, Romans 8, be crying out and praying on your behalf to the Father. Look at the Bible, verse 18. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, you will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. So what is he saying here? He's saying, I'm not going to leave you as, as orphans. I'm going to die. I'm going to come back. The world won't see me. And I think he's talking about the resurrection here. The world will not see me. Isn't that interesting that after the resurrection, only people who saw Jesus were his disciples, over 500? And then he goes on to say, but you will see me because I live, because I've defeated death. Ultimately, you will live too. But notice what he says. He says, I won't leave you as orphans. 
And many times when we are living in fear, living in doubt, manufacturing things on our own strength, it is because we believe the lie that God is not a hev- our heavenly Father who loves, protects, and who provides for us. If you go back and you read the Sermon on the Mount and you want to put the Sermon on the Mount in a nutshell, when Jesus is teaching his disciples, it's you have a heavenly Father who loves you. And he's not requiring you to perform for others or to perform for him. <laughs> and in the same way, Jesus is teaching his disciples, you are not orphans. And here what he's doing is he's probably pointing them to the Greco-Roman world and what orphans were there, those who were fatherless, and how they had to defend for themselves. And he's saying, no, you have a heavenly father. So when we find ourselves telling lies and trying to manipulate situations for our advantage, we're living as an orphan. When we find ourselves trying to work our way into God's favor, we're living as orphans. When we find ourselves at work trying to manipulate a situation for our advantage, we're living as orphans. When we find ourselves trying to argue our way to getting someone to understand something rather than love them, we're living as orphans. And the Holy Spirit comes and says, you don't, you're not an orphan. Jesus is saying, I have made a home in you through my spirit. Look at this, verse 20. On the day you will know that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. I am in you. So truth. He points us to the truth. He cuts through this mentality that says that we're orphans, that we don't have a home, that we don't have a father, that no one loves us, that we have to do things in our own strength. And he counters that with the truth. Second thing we see is not only is the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth, but that he teaches us all things. Look at verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I told you. Now, remember who Jesus is talking to here. He's specifically talking to the apostles. Okay? And this is quite amazing what he is going to tell them here. He says, I'm going to send you this this helper, the ultimate helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, he will send in my name. What does it mean to be sent in Jesus' name? It means to be sent for Jesus' glory, according to Jesus' character and his ministry. The Father's going to send the Spirit. We're going to talk about this next week. And the Spirit's job is to constantly point us to the glory and the beauty of Jesus. And he will teach you all things. As he's talking to the apostles, he's saying he's going to teach you all things. And he's going to remind you of everything I told you. And in essence, what this is pointing to is how the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. The first way that the Holy Spirit teaches us all things is through the inspiration of the, of the Holy Bible. He's telling the apostles the Holy Spirit is going to use you to communicate everything that I have to say and everything that you've experienced about me. And that's the inspiration of the Bible. The primary way in which the Holy Spirit communicates truth to us is through the Word. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, these words. He 
I can, okay. Yep, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read it. I think I put that on a, uh, on a slide. It says this, we also speak these things, not in words, this is Paul talking, taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. The apostles were not speaking things from human wisdom, but they were speaking and writing according to what the Spirit gave them to write. And then we get to 2 Timothy. Paul says this, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All Scripture is literally God-breathed there, inspired by God, is breathed out by God. Just as God breathed into Adam, God breathed out His Word by using men under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write the Holy Scriptures. He used them in their personalities, according to their education, according to their experiences. They don't write the same. They don't use the same language, but they all are writing the Scriptures, which are all pointing to Jesus. So he says, I'm going to teach you all things by giving you the Scriptures. But the way in which he teaches us is through what we call God's divine revelation chain. And here's what I mean, the divine revelation chain. In the book of John, over and over, when you read the book of John, you see a divine revelation chain, okay? And it goes something like this. Jesus talks about how everything that he receives is from the Father. The Father is the Father of truth, and he gives him truth. In his ministry, he was in tune with the Father. What the Father told him to speak, in that moment he spoke. And then he goes and says, listen, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and He will speak. He will proceed from the Father, and He will speak the truth that the Father and I tell Him to speak. Mediates the presence of the Father and the Son in our lives, and He speaks that truth. And He spoke that truth specifically to the apostles in a very specific way in Scripture. The apostles take the the Scriptures or take what the Holy Spirit has told them, what the Holy Spirit brings them back up, what Jesus promised that they will remember everything that He taught, they write it down. We have the Word of God, and that truth comes to us. Now, here's where I'm going with that. If you want the Holy Spirit's presence in your life, and if you want to experience the Holy Spirit, the primary way in which you do that is by reading the Bible. The Holy Spirit inspired the Word of God. And as Christians, one of the things that we should often pray is that the Holy Spirit will illuminate God's Word for us in our lives. God uses His Word to teach us. God uses His Word to form us into the image of Christ. God uses His Word to help us to discern what He wants for us in our life. Psalm 119 says that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. As we meditate and read and study God's word and trust God's word, God makes his path for our lives more clear by giving us wisdom. And the Holy Spirit allows the word to be illuminated in our heart and it trains us to righteousness. That's why Romans chapter 12, 
Paul says, do not be conformed to the image and the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might discern the will of God in your life. And so the Holy Spirit is present with us and in us, but the way in which the Holy Spirit grows us and teaches us the truth is through the Word of God. Blessed, flourishing, happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by streams of living water, which yield its fruit in its season, and his leaves will not wither. Meditating on God's word breathes spiritual life to us. And the Holy Spirit uses that word to make us to look more like Jesus so that we would not wither in times in which the world will tell us we should be anxious. So how do we experience the palpable presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives? It's by understanding that the Holy Spirit is our ultimate helper who leads us to truth and who teaches us all things. And a way in which we experience that truth and that teaching is threefold. The first is by taking time to cultivate a prayer life. A prayer life. In times of anxiety, in times when you're spinning, in times where Satan is lying to you, you have to pray. Don't think about pray, praying. Don't talk about praying. Pray. And all of us should make sure that we are taking time out of our schedule and blocking time to sit in the presence of God and to talk to God, but also to listen to God, to make sure we're discerning His voice. And some of us, we think, man, that sounds so simple, Pastor Jamal, this is so easy, you don't understand my problem. Listen to me. This is what Jesus modeled for us. In the same passage, look at verse 12, John 14. He says, truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. That's powerful. Jesus said, I'm going to the Father, and y'all, is, is how it actually reads, are going to do greater works, you all, than I am doing because I'm going. And that sounds crazy. And he's talking to the apostles, and he's letting them know, greater works are you guys about to do. Now, you may say, how is that even possible? And this verse really confuses me sometimes because I don't always feel this, but this is how it's possible. Jesus is not simply talking about power, okay? He's not simply talking about the miracles that he did, though I do think for the apostles that they did and were able to do those type of miracles in the book of Acts for a a specific amount of time, there was just this special anointing of healing in order to validate the gospel message that was being preached. But what Jesus is talking about here is extent, Because I'm going to the Father, the Holy Spirit is going to indwell every single person who places their faith and trust in me. And they are going to take this gospel, this good news that I have conquered the world, and they are going to take it to the ends of the earth. Greater works. 
And the same is true here at Sojourn Midtown, I believe, in the city of Louisville. If we truly believe that God is making his home in us through the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is leading us to all truth and teaching us for all things, that we can do those greater works. How do we unlock those greater works? Next verse. Whatever you ask in my name, what does it mean to ask in Jesus' name? So to ask according to his character and for his glory. Not praying simply, simply prayers that are just selfish or self-oriented, but praying God-oriented, God-sized prayers. Praying prayers according to his character. Whatever you ask in my name, according to my character, according to my, I will do. I will do it so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask in my name anything in my name, I will do it. Listen, either Jesus is lying to his apostles and to us as disciples, or he means it. And part of the reason we're going through this, the Holy Spirit as a church, is, is I believe that God wants more for his church in Louisville. And we are one of those churches that I believe that the Lord wants to see uh, the Father glorified in, in Louisville. God wants to see people saved. He wants to see our streets impacted for His glory. And He wants to do it in ways that defy our expectations and that go past our imaginations. I believe that God wants to build a church that is multi-ethnic, that is socioeconomic, in diversity, that is generational, that, that, that looks and, and that is so supernatural that when the world looks at our fellowship, they say, this cannot be done by human wisdom. And the only way in which we will experience the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and collectively as a church is if we are committed to praying God-oriented and God-sized prayers, believing that Jesus wants to work, He wants to move. Not only do we pray, I'm not going to stay here, but because we already talked about it, but two, we need to internalize and trust God's Word. We need to internalize and trust God's Word. Some of us are in a different stage of our Christian life, and we've been through a lot, we've seen a lot, we've done a lot. And there may be a temptation for us to move past seeing God's Word as sufficient as sufficient to shape us into the image of Christ, as sufficient to give us an a understanding of God and a peace that passeth all understanding. And I'm telling you that the way in which God forms His people, Paul says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, not poorly. Internalize. Don't, and don't just internalize, but trust. Jesus modeled this, right? When he is facing Satan in the wilderness, what does he rely on? Does he manufacture his own strength and rely on his own power? No. He, though he is the Son of God, models for us what it looks like to internalize the Word, to trust the Word, and to wisely apply the Word. And in the same way, God is saying, hide my Word in your heart. Memorize it. Pray it. 
internalize it, meditate on it. When you feel yourself choking with anxiety and with fear and with doubts, take a deep breath, pray, Holy Spirit, would you minister to me? Would you remind me of your promises? Would you remind me of your word? And rather than live in reactivity, sit with the Lord, pray with the Lord, see what the Lord brings to your remembrance, and you speak that word. Speak it. Satan is trying to kill, he's trying to steal, and he's trying to destroy. We have to depend on his word. Third and finally, we've got to love and obey Jesus. Love and obey Jesus. If you want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, we want to cultivate a life of prayer, cultivate a life of the word, but we have to love and obey Jesus. Look at this. Some theologians really wrestle at why Jesus is going back and forth with the ministry of the Spirit. And in both instances, he says something like this. Look at verse 21. The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. If we go down a little further, verse 24, the one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but it is from my Father. Jesus emphasizes while talking about the ministry of the Spirit twice, the importance of loving him through obedience. He's saying the person that loves me is the person that obeys me. Here's where I'm going with this. Listen, you want the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life it's only going to come from you obeying Jesus and his word. Some of us, we don't feel the presence of the Father in our life, and we don't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit because we are holding on and living actively in sin. Paul says, listen, do not grieve the Spirit. When we know that Jesus is calling us to live a path and to live a certain way, but we, out of rebellion, refuse to do it, and we keep and cherish sin, it impacts the way in which we experience the Holy Spirit mediating the presence of Jesus in our life. So Jesus said, hey, if you want to experience the, the truth of the Spirit, if you want to experience the teaching of the Spirit, you have to cultivate a heart and a love for me through obeying me. Now, how, how do you do that? You do that by remembering who Jesus is. This is not something that you manufacture in your own strength and in your own ability. This happens when we remember who is this speaking to us? Who is this telling us to love and obey? If you were to talk to the apostles, they would tell you, hey, just before Jesus said these words to us, he did the craziest thing we ever saw. He took a towel, he got on his knees, and he washed our feet. He took the position of a house servant, of a slave, the one that we walked with from day one, who we saw heal the blind, give uh, uh, hearing to the deaf, heal lepers. Preach with authority. He got on his hands and knees. He took our little toes. He got a towel, got in between it, 
and he cleaned us. And he says, if you don't allow me to do this, you have no part in me. And then a few chapters later, even though he was perfect, even though he was without sin, he allowed a crown of thorns to be placed on his head. He allowed a catanine whip to tear open his flesh. He allowed himself to be stripped naked and humiliated. He allowed himself to be hung high and stretched wide and dropped low, all because he loved me so that I can have the forgiveness of sin and communion and, be enter, and enter into this eternal communion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit so that he can dwell in me. The way in which we love and obey Jesus is by remembering how much he loves us. Enough to die for us, to wash us, to cleanse us. The Holy Spirit wants to radically retrain, renew, and reshape our church to live in a way that believes, appreciates, and discerns His presence. That allows us to go from anxiety and manufacturing things in our own strength to peace and power. This section closes with these words. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Peace I leave you. Some of you are desperate for peace. Peace is found in Jesus. We experience the mediating presence of Jesus through prayer, through internalizing and trusting his word, through loving and obeying him. And that only happens through the Holy Spirit. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. I give you a peace that's better than the world's peace. Don't let your heart be troubled or be fearful. Let's pray. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit SojournChurch.com Midtown.